Welcome to Sally's Performing Arts Lab podcast. I'm your host, Sally Adams, and I have taught people how to produce original work for the stage for 30 years. If you go to sallypal.com, you'll find my blog as well as my podcast. You'll also find Sally Pal on SoundCloud and iTunes. Please be sure and share the blog and the podcast. I'm always grateful for suggestions. I want to help you learn to produce and direct your own shows. It's what I do, and you can too. I'm really lucky that I got to have one of my students on the show today. This is Daniel Bowers. He's special in very many ways. <laughs> Daniel is actually a very talented actor and won an actor award in eighth grade when he was my student and then again in ninth grade when he was at the high school as rookie of the year, I hear. Hey, thanks. That's pretty cool. It's been pretty fun so well, far. Yeah. In between football and acting, I didn't have all that much time to do what I wanted to do, but I participated in the theater classes there and I made sure to be involved as much as I possibly could, given time constraints and all that. But yeah, I just tried to give it my all when I did. You can't take it with you? Yes. Yes. And you played the love interest. For anybody who hears any extraneous sounds, we're recording in my kitchen in Northern Virginia, despite the fact that Daniel and his mom, they're both here right now, are from Oklahoma, and they're visiting. And it's exciting because tomorrow we're going to Washington, D.C. We're D.C. Yay! We're all going to go to the Folger Shakespeare Museum. And that's something Daniel and I definitely have in common, is we both really dig the bard. The podcast is about producing original work, and hmm. that's what I want to talk to you about because you actually performed in an original play. It was a play written by my son and me, and you originated the role of... Will Shakespeare. Young Will Shakespeare, might I add. That was so fun to see you in that role because we had another character in the play called Shakespeare, who was a version of Shakespeare in one of the characters' imaginations. Tell me about creating the role of Will Shakespeare? One of the things that you have to do when creating any type of role is don't feel confined to boundaries. Boundaries, while they are there to set a guideline, they're not not meant to be pushed. They're not not meant to be pushed. Yes. So you're saying they're meant to be pushed. They are meant to be pushed. And you had a great co-comedian with you on stage, Rain Song, Rainsong. played by... Jackson, what was it like when you two were creating scenes together? Because you actually found some things that weren't necessarily in the script, but we kept in the production. Nothing but a blast. When you can find something that works, you develop a chemistry, Whether, regardless of whether you were friends beforehand. When you're working with a co-actor in general, you're just going to develop these special type of bonds that are going to connect you regardless of where you are socially or where you are actingly. Yep, there we go. I've invented a new word, folks. I am now actually Will Shakespeare. <laughs> Did you feel any pressure in doing that role to fulfill on people's imagined version of Will Shakespeare? No. <laughs> I mean, maybe at the very beginning, like, as we were just starting out, but after that it was, okay, Will Shakespeare, tacky British accent, check, and <laughs> I 
think we're good to go. Because if I were to portray actual William Shakespeare, the, the older, portrait-worthy William Shakespeare, that's a different story, because then I would feel that I would be confined and limited in where I could go with it. But because I'm playing someone who's really never been portrayed this way before, I could have creative license over everything. And he, honestly, the character you were playing wasn't so much older than you, because it was yeah. Will Shakespeare at, what, 25 or something years some, old? Some. And there's a part of me that thinks that you made him your own by injecting some of your own humor. I mean, I'm a pretty humorous guy. You actually created this character as someone who is trying to make people laugh. So how does that jibe with what you know about Shakespeare? Because you learned a lot about Shakespeare over the last couple of years. Well, a lot of Will's plays, while a few of them are pretty comedic and have some very good comedic moments in them, are very message-driven, if that makes sense. At least when you... I mean, in English class, we were analyzing Macbeth, and we're going over... I mean, obviously, it's a tragedy, so you're really not going to find much comedy in there anyway. But even looking into comedy relief characters in that play, for instance, the porter, the very, very drunk porter. Yes, yes. Very funny guy, but it also spoke volumes about the devilish nature of the house and what all was really going on there, and it spoke to a larger message about greed and about power and what the balance of that is like. What does that tell you about Will Shakespeare as a character? Will Shakespeare as a character or Will Shakespeare as a person? Oh, well, that's a good question. You say. Okay. Well, as it affects my Will character, the Shakespeare... My Will character, the Shakespeare. <laughs> my Will Shakespeare, the character. Yes, there we yes. go. I think it didn't affect it as much as you might think. Because this character had never been portrayed before, I could own it. It, it was more a part of me than it was someone else that I am playing. Do you ever think about seeing this play one day and seeing how somebody else does that role? I think it'd be pretty fun. I mean, you almost want to offer your advice, but at the same time, you don't because they're doing what you did. They're creating the original character. And I think one of the things that should be done more often is pressing those boundaries. I know a lot of people do, but really going to the limits of the boundary because I, being the first person to ever do this, I did what I could, but they can look at my performance and say, oh, hey, this was pretty good. I can take this even further. I can say, all right, well, I, I like how he portrayed a kind of puckish fellow, right? So I can take that to the extreme. That's what I would be interested to see, to see how they took attributes from people who had played the role before them and incorporated their own fire into it to see what colors you would get. That's a great way to describe it. Because a big part of what I talk about on the show is the value of collaboration in theater. So you started doing theater, gosh, at least by sixth grade. You probably did some before then. I'm sure you did some at Eisenhower as well. I did a little bit at Eisenhower. It wasn't something on the top of my list because, you know, we, we dabbled in all of the art forms. We dabbled in music as well. Right. But it never really caught on to me until sixth grade when I did Alice in Wonderland with you. Hey. <laughs> Yeah. That was so fun. It was fun, but I don't remember much about it. I was a fish, and I am 
quite proud of being a fish. I actually remember your audition. I was telling your mom the other day because you came out of nowhere for me. I mean, I, I had met you and I knew who you were, but when you auditioned, you were so far ahead of where I expected a sixth grade auditioner to be. And I know at the time I was trying to figure out where to place you because there was this obvious natural talent where you put him. And so, but, you know, I decided to make you a fish. Well, it was Alice in Wonderland after nothing, all, so. <laughs> let me be clear. There is nothing better than a fish. Well, you actually had a great scene. You're a very well-dressed fish. A fish with like half of his makeup on because we didn't have time. Oh, no. (laughs) But it was was pretty funny, so it was great. (laughs) It was worth it. And then you did... The next year, I played... Once on this island? I actually played Daniel, the male lead in... Mm -hmm. Or one of the male leads. Right. He was the love interest. I guess I'm built for this. You're tall, dark, and handsome. You got the smooth <laughs> That's voice. right. That's yeah. right. But then the following year, you did something that was very different because you weren't necessarily a love interest in that, A. Right. Even though they were like, that's Will Shakespeare. He's so cute. Oh, but yeah. you were the comic, re- you know, you were a comic role. You yeah. were a lead role, but you were a comic role in that show. Because Will Shakespeare and, and Rain Song together, they knew the business of theater and they were doing it, but they were also kind of hilariously I mean, matched. It, it was like... Will Shakespeare being an accomplished playwright, as opposed to him being that, he was an accomplished actor. That's what he felt comfortable in. In fact, I played a role in a play inside of that play. Right. Do you remember that? Yes, when you were I getting ready to go that. on stage? Okay. And I filled in so for that. So you filled in for that. But within the play itself, there was a character you played. You played uh, Romeo's father? Yes. On stage, dressed as Romeo's father, talking to Rain Song about. How are we going to avoid the master of the rebels? And, right. Yeah. Okay, so if you were talking to someone, and I want to make sure that people know how old you are, because when they hear your age, I think there are going to be some people who are surprised. I'm 15 years old, if you didn't know this. And how long ago did we turn 15? Like a week ago. <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're like a recent 14-year-old. And that I'm putting out there because you are so eloquent. And you speak so naturally on the subject of acting. I love talking to you about acting because I think you do understand it in, in a way that I don't always find with my students. That's not to say that everybody's not trying really hard. Right. But there are some students out there that are working at a different level, and I would put you in that category. What would you tell someone who really, who's a student actor, who really wants to participate in theater but might be nervous about auditioning? Actually, I have a friend who we were talking about a little bit earlier, Julie, was an amazing actor. She had a lot of doubts, and she's very unsure of herself before Juliet Rescue. And then she got in, she got on stage, and she was like, I love this. Then she auditioned for Elephant's Graveyard at the beginning, in the fall. She she really stuck on acting, and I just found it interesting. I mean, she's fairly shy but once you jump in on stage you get a chance to both be yourself and someone else at the same time and that mixture is healthy I would say. Did you give her some advice before she auditioned? I mean were you encouraging her? I can't say that I did. I mean but if I'm she part had come of a friend you, group. Right but, but if she'd come to you and she said I can't audition I'm too nervous what should oh, I, I would do? Def- I would have to encourage her like it's an experience that if you ever get the opportunity, you have to jump on it because you're going to, A, build relationships. You're going to build personal strength 
because you're performing in front of people, you're thinking, how can I balance my nervousness, my wanting to please people with myself because if you really like acting you're you're going to want to do this for yourself you're not going to want to play to the audience to give them what they want you want to light the fire within yourself so finding that balance while it may be nerve-wracking in the beginning as long as you stay true to yourself the audience is going to love it they're going to see that you have a passion for it so my encouragement is that whenever you get the opportunity, you should be like, hey, I have the opportunity to express who I am on stage. I can show the world how to be proud of themselves. So this brings me to one more conversation I want to have with you. It's a little esoteric, but I know you'll get it. There's a conversation that a lot of directors have with actors about the duality of acting. And by that I mean you're acting a character on stage and you're true to that character. You speak that character's truth. And you know about that from working with uh, Sweeney. Oh yeah. Yeah, so you actually become this other person. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're still Daniel Bowers. Yes. And you inject the character with some of your facial expressions, your comedy, whatever. But you also have another thing going on and that is don't walk off the edge of the stage. Get in your oh, light, you know, yeah, those kinds yeah. of things. Blocking all that, making sure that you're in the right place at the right time. Right. Knowing when to make your entrances. Right, and right. That. That's the duality that a lot of actors talk about is when you're thinking about the technique, I argue you don't really think about the technique, that oh, it actually... I, I agree with that. Yeah. I think, you, I think you think about it the first time that you do it. You go through your paces, but by the time you get through it, Sweeney was telling us... He guided us a little bit. He was like, all right, I think we should move here so you can, so the audience can see you, that you should probably sit like this so that you don't block other people, but let the play move you. The emotions you're feeling, if you are attracted to someone, you might want to drift closer. If they're a little bit angry at you, you might want to shift away. Act as you would in real life. So that is about... Not the actor, but the character you're playing. Yes. First step is putting your lines to memory, but don't yeah. put your lines to memory. Because if you stay bolted in those lines, you're not going to reach where the character could become. If you forget some little small tidbit detail, nobody's going to care or notice. How do you be honest to the character that you're playing, and that is the character with or without Daniel injected? Right. How do you be honest to that character, but still be able to manage all of the things that the actor manages? Because it's an illusion. You know, the whole time, the audience doesn't walk in thinking, oh, well, this is, I'm in so-and-so's bedroom. You're not. You're watching actors on a stage. And you know that, so you're buying into the illusion. Right. It's like reading a book. You know it's not real, but you are allowing yourself to be injected in that reality. That for however long you're reading it, for however long you're watching it, that is your reality. So anything outside of that is your own character. I When I step on stage, there is some Daniel Bowers in the character, but it's more like I am the character that has been a friend of Daniel Bowers. He's, <laughs> he's influenced me, but 
I'm no longer Daniel Bowers. I'm whoever the character is. Okay, so in order for the audience to suspend their disbelief, which is what we've been talking right. about, of disbelief, the yeah. actor must also suspend disbelief. Yes. He has to buy into the truth of the story. Well, if he doesn't buy into the truth, if the person who is creating the truth doesn't buy into the truth of the story, there's no way the audience will because they didn't go through the experience of this character because you have to go through the ups and downs, the different emotions that the character is feeling, which I encourage you to do. Don't just look at the lines, monotone them in your head, and then try and throw in bits and dabs of emotion here and there. You have to really think about, you have to meditate over the lines and say, okay, he was in a car wreck. He's frantic. He's a little bit shaken up. How do I portray that on stage? That's step one. But step two is saying you becoming that character. You pushing yourself into that role, casting aside Daniel Bowers or whatever your name may be, and donning this character, this new persona. I believe that by age five, you've experienced every emotion there is to experience. You've grieved over your dead goldfish. You know, you've... <laughs> Sorry about your goldfish, by the way. You've... You've been elated. You've been sad. You've been confused. All of those things you've experienced. Now, you may not have had the adult experiences to elicit the emotions, but you definitely had the emotions. Right. So... I love working with student actors almost more than I love working with adults because they are so much more willing to drop the facade of their life outside the stage, exactly what you're talking about, and become this other person. And I think it's harder for adults to do that. I can see that. I mean, you often hear that adults are less creative or less imaginative than younger minds, which... I think is true to an extent in that they've had more experience with reality. Therefore, they are more inclined to lean towards their reality. But I think that's also an unfair statement to make. I think a lot of adults are, are willing to cast aside this. But yes, I do see where you're coming from because a lot of times they're more locked in and their character is more them than it is the character. Yeah, you're really lucky when you can find an adult actor who can create in the way that you're suggesting. And that's the thing, that confidence that you have. That, that willingness. That yeah. willingness, exactly. Because that's it, isn't it? Like, you have to be willing to seem foolish, you know. You have to be willing to step out there and let people think that you're a goofball or whatever. Because you are going to make mistakes in the process. It's a oh, messy yeah. process. What would you say about that fear of being made fun of by your peers? I would say they're not making fun of you. They're making fun of a character that you created. Now, that may feel like, hey, I put a lot of effort into this. But sometimes because they're making fun of you, you know your job worked. For instance, when you're playing a comedy relief character... Mm -hmm. You want people to be making fun of you. Yeah. Like, yeah. You really do. Like, yeah. after a play, I know a ton of actors got teased over their roles. Oh, you're such a love interest. Oh, dude, you're such an idiot. <laughs> but I think that's part of the magic of the theater is if the audience holds that in their brain 
so that they're remembering you but as that character they're they're remembering these characters when you when you walk down the hall they're like hey there's will shakespeare that's something that you want you want them to see you as that character that you don't want an audience to see you as an actor you want to see them as will shakespeare you want to see them as nick bottom you want to see them as absolutely i think you've nailed it on the head that's so great that you have such good insight because i see on stage that you're not analyzing at all you are absolutely in the moment in the character but you can step off stage and have this insight about what it is that you're doing on stage and that is amazing and super cool and not that common so congratulations daniel bowers you're, you're kind you, of Sally. a you're kind of amazing i know <laughs> it takes some home support doesn't it to be able to do this because there'd be plenty of parents who would say oh i don't think that acting thing is a good idea regardless of what you want to do as a profession I do suggest acting because, like I said earlier, it builds personal confidence. Because you, A, gain the opportunity to work with other people who, regardless of whether they have a passion for it or not, they may like it. Yes, that's what you want. You want them to like it, but you can't ask someone to have a passion for something. You can say, oh, hey, you should try this, and they will like it. But you can't say, oh, hey... You have to love this. This has to be your life. But you do want to participate in something like this because you get to collaborate with people who may not normally be your type. People who aren't necessarily in your niche. For instance, in Juliet Rescue, we had a lot of football players that tried out. We had a lot of nerds that tried out people from entirely different walks of life. So I got to see how they collaborated on stage to see how they blended together and worked towards one common goal. And they ended up making friends with each other. In many cases, you see people who created friendships there and even though they don't hang out all the time, there's that bond, I think. Right. It's not a, I don't know you anymore. It's a, oh, hey, we worked together that one time. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. You have that business relationship. Well, business relationship. <laughs> Daniel, I have loved working with you. My last question, if you had the opportunity, and this is, could be a yes or no answer, but I know you'll give me more. Oh, if you had the I opportunity, always, right? I'm, I, I will never you're a man of on words. Yes, you're a man of many words. Would you... Do another original play. Would you create another character? Of course. Without a <laughs> doubt, I would create another original character. It's so much fun. Cool. You have so much freedom. Like, it's one of the best things in the world if you don't have a character. I, I have a suggestion. If you don't have an original piece, make one. Make, make an one. original piece. Make an original piece. Why and not? Ca And cast people and invite them to create with you, collaborate with you, because you guys all, do you remember we had so many rehearsals where we were kind of creating as we went, because we changed some things. We were like, well, that doesn't really work, does it? Hmm. You can't, you can't enter there. You have to enter later. But it was cool. Also, piece of professionalism. Yes. If anything goes wrong on stage, nothing went wrong on stage. That is so true, and it did. And that you, did happen And you once. solved it. So I love these stories. Okay, so we had an actor in our company yes. who had missed an entrance. We had a slight issue because 
there was a lull. We were trying to prevent that awkward silence. And so Rain Song and I came up with a, a little bit of improv. A Shakespearean it, it, improv. It seems that we're missing a member of our company. <laughs> yes, indeed. Shall I go fetch him? Sure. And <laughs> you have this frantic inside. He has to get out of here. He has to get out of here. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. But you have to conduct yourself in a manner that suggests that this was purposeful. Oh, we seem to be missing a member. I'll go fetch him. No big deal, right? Right. But in the meantime, you're clicking through your brain trying to figure out how, to figure do out, oh, how do I solve this problem. That will happen. It will happen. It may not be like that. Someone may not miss an entrance, which is kind of a big deal. But it like, might go up on a line. Right. That's like, happened before as well. Yeah, yeah. But just play along with it. That's why it's called a play. You play along with it. If something goes wrong, it didn't go wrong. You just act like it's real life. Oh, well, that happened. And who in the audience is going to know? Yeah, exactly. It's just another layer to the performance. I don't want to say it's almost better, but it is definitely more Rat interesting. Yeah, it, but it also ratchets up people's awareness, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, people become hyper-aware, like all of a sudden everybody is thinking, I'm not going to miss my entrance. You know, yeah. nobody misses an entrance after that. That's true. Yeah. Eh, th things happen. It's the theater. You know. That's Best part about it is I heard from some of the people backstage. The actor was like, nah, who's supposed to be out there? And then it dawns on the actor. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's me. me. <laughs> I wasn't wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you're still doing it. I hope you keep doing it. I think you're wonderful at it. And Never I stop. I really do hope that you will not forget us when you finally hit the big time. Never do I forget people. So when we're backstage saying, Mr. Bowers, Mr. Bowers, can we have your autograph? <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Bowers, uh, you're the man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on my show. Podcasts okay. are the best. Yeah. Ciao. Ciao, baby. <laughs> hey, everybody. Check out my blog at sallypal.com. Be sure to share with your friends and anyone you think might be interested. Also, you can find Sally Pal on iTunes, SoundCloud, and my website, sallypal.com. Look for my posts on Twitter and Facebook, and be sure to let me know how you feel about Sally Pal the blog or Sally Pal the podcast. If you like it, press the like button. And if you really like it, please do share and help me get the word out. All the performances you've seen on stage once lived only in someone's head. Thank you so much for listening. The podcast and blog will benefit with your ideas. Thanks to Daniel Bowers and his mom, Karen. You can look forward to a new podcast every Monday night concerning producing original work for the stage. Next week, I'll be posting a car interview with Emily Adams about her show Fever Dream and how it went from her brain to sold-out performances. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Think about